Hi, I'm Eric Poulin. And I'm Robin Poulin. We're the co-founders of Calendar Budget, and welcome to the Calendar Budget Podcast. I can pay cash, I can pay check, I can pay wire transfer, I can pay gift card, I can pay credit, I can pay anything you like. I can pay cash, I can pay check, I can pay wire transfer, I can pay gift card, I can pay credit, I can pay anything you like. Okay, today we're going to talk about rent versus own. Usually in regards to a house, could be a car, mm -hmm. could be something else. But we'll focus on those two for today. Yeah. Those are the big things. Yeah, those tend to be the two major things that people rent or buy. Yeah. So housing is the big one. And obviously, you're going to be either renting or owning a house. Because unless you're a homeless person, you got to live somewhere. Everybody needs a place to live. And there's only so much that you can actually mooch off friends or family. And those are ones are one of those things that you want to decide. What do you want more, friend or family, or yeah. the place to live? Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad you brought that up. You can. So children often are are living with their kids as they're young for free. Of course, of course, that's a parental responsibility. Yeah. But how often now do we see um, rebounding happen where kids leave the house but then end up coming back or? They just, don't leave for a while. They don't leave. They just stay at the house. You know, they're maybe working full time. They're not in school anymore. And they're just like living out of the house. There are some families that that works for, that they are equally being responsible for things uh, that makes the accommodations go well. But oftentimes, that puts a strain on the relationship. It can. Yeah, for sure. And um, the reverse can happen as well. Sometimes you'll see there's... Um, like a kid who is living, like paying the bills, and then the adult is mooching off the kid. Although in that arrangement, usually it's not mooching. Usually that's like senior care, like elderly care, and you you, you know you're loving yeah. your parent, and that's totally cool. And they usually contribute in their way with their whatever their pension or secure old age security mm -hmm. or whatever. So, but there's some things that we need to consider about renting and owning because. When you uh, go to enter into an arrangement for either purchasing a house, which is probably going to mean a loan, a big loan called a mortgage, the big scary loan, the biggest loan you'll ever make in your life unless you own a business, um, or uh, rent, even rent these days has a lot of considerations and prerequisites that we need to consider. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we discovered um, just recently is how important your credit score is even if you're renting. Mm -hmm. So these days, like if you're going to apply for buying a house, it's the mortgage that you're worried about. So there's two things about buying a house, right? There's the down payment and then the mortgage. Your down payment is going to be whatever, usually whatever minimum amount you have to um, just because you want to get into a house as early as you can. So usually you only pay the minimum amount. It's obviously better to pay more. Yeah, you, the idea you might think is, oh, I'm going to save up all this money and take all my savings and put it in to make a, a huge down payment. But then there's things that come up okay. that are included in closing costs and other things that are like continued maintenance and also considering making sure you have that buffer for at least half a year, I would say. Hmm to make sure if something changes in your job that you just don't lose your house. 
Yeah, exactly. So this um, concept of approaching a lending institution for this huge loan, which is called a mortgage, mm -hmm. um, the first thing they're going to check is your credit score mm -hmm. to see if you are, you know, like, are you ready to uh, make a loan of this size? This is the same as actually for any loan size. They're going to check your credit score and they're going to check, you know, things that we covered in a previous podcast, the... Um, Debt to debt, income ratio. Debt ratios, your front end and back end ratios. They want to make sure that you're making enough money so that you can be able to consistently make this payment towards your mortgage. They want to know that you're a good investment. Yeah, because they're lending you a lot of money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like these days, it's, uh, I don't know, seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars $800,000. That's a lot of money. It's almost a million dollars for a loan. Yeah. Big risk for a bank. Um, and especially considering things like, you know, if the interest rates go up, then that can hurt you a lot. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes as well. Um, other things they want to know about is your job stability. So again, the bank just wants to know, are you going to be able to make the next payment and ongoing payments? So is your, are you stable in your job and your career? Or at least you have a skill set that if, if something happens, like what would you do if you lost your job? Mm -hmm. How would you make your payments? Because you cannot miss payments. <laughs> um, yes. Some uh, some banks and arrangements for mortgages will have an option like for skip a payment, but I don't recommend using them. Yeah, I recommend doubling up whenever you can. Exactly, that's what we did. Yeah, because the faster you can pay down, the better. Mm -hmm. And there's stuff you know about paying down the principal. So when you get a mortgage, they separately track the principal, which is the actual amount you borrowed, and the interest. And they, so let's say you got a mortgage for 20 years. They amortize that interest over the full 20 years. It's not just every week how much interest you got. It's like they pre-amortize it over 20 years and they know how much interest you're gonna have to pay over that whole course of 20 years. And that is the amount of your mortgage, the principal plus all of that 20 years of interest, mm -hmm. depending on how you set it up. You know, if you pay weekly or biweekly or monthly, the, the amounts change. That's Turns something out, we considered actually when we got our mortgage <clears throat> back early on that we looked at the monthly versus biweekly. And if you do biweekly, you end up with an extra couple of payments in the year because some months have five weeks in it. So yeah, not only is are you making a few extra payments, which helps tremendously over many years, mm -hmm. uh, because you're paying more frequently, money is going in against that principal in more regular intervals, which causes the principal to come down a lot faster. Mm -hmm. Like every month, you're you're doing it twice instead of once, and so those last two weeks you're paying less interest because. You know, normally you'd pay interest on the full month, but now you're paying only the first two weeks mm -hmm. because you're, you're just chunking it like that. And so you can actually save a lot of money in the long run by doing that. And it turns out the difference between weekly and biweekly payments is negligible, almost makes no difference. But biweekly to monthly makes a huge difference, mostly because of the extra payments that you just discussed. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but those are huge. And do they not do something, if I remember correctly, where maybe once a year you're allowed to pay another lump sum without any pen penalty? It will depend on your lending institution. So yeah. if you're going with a bank, um, just make sure you're clear about that. If you're going through a mortgage broker, which is probably even better than a bank, because they're going to find you the best deal. 
Yeah. Like that's their, so mortgage brokers are professionals and they look at mortgages available from every lending institution, not just your bank. Just yeah. because you have a relationship with your bank doesn't mean you should go with them, <laughs> for sure. Um, it might make it easier for payments because you can just do a transfer instead of a bill payment. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you're getting a different interest rate or better options, yes, but then it's better. substantial. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Keep more money in your pocket. Precisely. So use a mortgage broker. Make sure you're getting the right interest payment. And um, yeah, at the end of the day, get the best deal. You were asking about, can you prepay an amount? It'll depend on the arrangements. So we had one where I think you could do a prepayment once. Once a year. No, it was more than that. Once a year? Oh yeah, no, it was more than that. You could do a prepayment once every couple of months or something. Okay. We took advantage of that whenever we could because when you do a prepayment, you're not just making another monthly payment with all the interest bundled in. You're paying directly against the principal. Yes. Which then causes a recalculation of all the interest amortized over the length of the mortgage. And it's a much better thing. Keeping more money in your pocket. Exactly, exactly. So other things to consider, um, obviously your job stability matters a lot, but location. Oh, oh my, my goodness, goodness. Yes. the location. You know, what's the number one rule of lo- a location, rule? Location, 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 yeah. the market. The first three rules of, of, um, <laughs> of looking for a house, location, location, and location, yeah. And so that applies not only to marketing, but to housing too. I remember when we first started that we were looking closer like into the GTA kind of thing and we realized that it was really expensive compared to- yeah, Ridiculous. So you have to consider then when you decide to move out of <clears throat> away from maybe where you, where you work, how long is it going to take you to get there? Stress, costs of that, and how much will you actually save? And any like other safety and security for the other locations that compared to, say, being in the major city? Yeah, there's tons of considerations for location, all of those. But in addition, proximity to family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, most people who are moving out of their home for the first time, they're usually young adults. Maybe you've been renting for a little bit, but now you're gonna buy a house. So in our case, we moved out of our parents' house after we got married mm-hmm. and started renting mm-hmm. because you're new. You can't, you don't have a million dollars. Not enough savings to start <laughs> well, the house. You need a down payment, which is the biggest thing for a house. And we didn't have it. You're, we're just getting started in life, really. Mm-hmm. So we started renting and after a while, when we were able to save enough money, then we're like, okay, well now where do we want to live? And looking around where we lived, because we were just renting close to where I worked, ridiculous. Yeah. Like I worked at, uh, at IBM and they always have their offices in like in metropolitan areas. Yeah. So living in a metro area, you're paying top dollar for housing because that's where everybody wants to live close to their work and close to the hubbub of the left city life and you prefer not to have that i like the country life you, you grew up on a farm and a, as an older kid you yeah. want space and yeah horses and where you can reach out and actually not touch your neighbor's empty, door empty hills and, still. yeah i i grew up in a suburb so i'm good with the suburbs i wouldn't want to live like in the downtown core mm-hmm. in an apartment building like 
densely crammed up with everybody else and I would just feel like this all the time. I saw the allure of that too where maybe if you're on like the 20th floor or something you can see out over the city and see all the hustle bustle as a, mm. you're looking down on it. It's kind of cool seeing all the lights but... So you go out on your porch and then you're smelling people smoking next door or drinking or whatever they're doing and they're loud. <laughs> and all the cars and buses and trains and everything going by all the time. But, but sometimes those are soothing. A lot of people find that like soothing background noise and it's like the city they get to know the feel of the love of the city sounds. And yeah, and when those things disappear, it's some anxious. Yeah, you're like, what is what is all this silence? It makes me anxiety. I can hear the crickets. My own thoughts. There's a serial killer coming. I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the location matters tremendously uh, for the cost. Just as an example, I was just chatting with a friend of mine who lives. So we live. We're in Canada. Uh, we're we're near Toronto, which is probably one of the most expensive areas in Canada. Mm -hmm. Vancouver might compare, and there's a few other metro areas that are like pretty really expensive as yeah, well. Yeah, for housing. But we don't live in Toronto. We're like a couple of cities away from Toronto, but it's still considered like the greater Toronto area, and they group it all in that. And if you were to draw a graph, like a circular graph, you'd see like concentric circles with the Toronto center in the middle and each concentric circle as you get further out the prices drop precipitously yeah, yeah. Uh, and we're at a place where we don't even need to drive to Toronto anymore for much like we we have we just do it for fun we have monthly yeah. things that we go there for but like we don't need it for business or anything yeah we're mostly here for because it's proximity to family yeah and in our case proximity to a, a community college that our kids are going to yeah but as you get further away from that metro area, the prices drop a lot. But we're not that far out where the prices have dropped a lot. It's still ridiculously expensive. Do you know what? About three to five years ago, I can't exactly how, remember how long it was, but I heard about this thing happening in Toronto area because of this inflation in housing. And now it's even inflated more. Hmm. But people were like, we can't afford this on our cost of living already. So they were doing this speed dating thing with wearing t-shirts of I love dogs or I love cats or I'm allergic to dust I've kind of thing. This, yeah. And instead of finding somebody to date, they were finding somebody that they could potentially live with Cohabitate. to cut the costs yep. of purchasing or renting a house. Finding a roommate. Yep. Or like a live-in, it's basically a live roommate. Live-in friend. Yep. People that you have no idea who they are. Yeah. So risky. My Somebody who has evil intents could so easily I go to those and just pretend to be yeah. normal. Yeah. <laughs> like, look at Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> yeah. He was fairly normal looking. Um, and yeah, that was insane. Anyway. Um, the, the idea is that you were talking about your friend where yeah. they were looking. And I think they were looking at the East Coast then saying it was. So well, it's much. not what they were looking. It's what they're actually paying today. Yeah. They've been in the same place for a long time, like 10 years. And so they're kind of locked into a, like grandfathered into an old rent price. When you're renting a place, uh, you can only increase the rent a certain percent every year. You can't just have it jump. Mm -hmm. Like if you're selling a house, it doesn't matter. It's and they just whatever are on the market the East Coast. Is. Yeah. So they live in Nova Scotia, I believe. Yeah. Uh, which is basically on the East Coast of Canada. Yeah. We live in. Toronto, which is kind of in the, the middle of, 
Ontario, just north of New York or Buffalo, New York. Yep. And that's the one of the most expensive places. So we pay $3,800 a month for our rent. Shocking. It feels painful just to say it. It's so much money for rent. Yeah. And so that money is just given to the landlord every month, burned. <laughs> like to us, it's burned. And rent works for us right now for our stage of life for the yeah. children because we know that they're going to be moving out soon and we aren't going to need the size of a house much longer. Exactly. We, we've owned homes in the past and sold and we decided on renting. We'll talk about that in a few minutes about when you might want to rent versus own. Yeah. Um, but right now, the right thing for us is to rent because we're not going to be living here for that much longer. It's temporary. Yeah. And that's what we need to do. But the amount is ridiculous. For the size of house that we need, because we have five kids, not everybody's living with us right now, but we need space enough for, for, like, for us to work. We, we work from home. Yeah. Uh, and we need places for the kids to live. And they're, they're almost adults now. Some of them are adults and they need space mm -hmm. while they're still attending school and such. Anyway, we needed a house that was big enough, $3,800 a month. Yeah. And my friend who lives in Nova Scotia, who has almost the same size family, and I think their house is not quite as big as this house, but fine. Let's just do the comparison anyway. They're paying $675 a month. $675 versus $3,800. Yep. About... Just a little under one-fifth of the Blew my mind. Yeah. Seriously, it's more than 4x but the But with them being grandfathered in, that has been able to maintain the yes. way. If it was put to today's standard, it'd probably be, what, half this? Well, price? okay. So they do have a sweet deal because they've been grandfathered in. I don't know what it would be, but even if we doubled what they're paying, that's the power of location. Yeah. In our area, Toronto area versus Nova Scotia, even if we double their rent, mm -hmm. it's less than half of what we're paying. And the cost of living is down as well because their taxes are different for that area. I think the but taxes if, might be higher there. If you go to Newfoundland, it's definitely higher. Hmm. Newfoundland because they have to ship everything in. They can't, they can't grow as much there. And Nova Scotia is mostly an island too. No, the, the, you can still drive into it quite easily. Hmm. So, but Newfoundland. I guess if you're have not looking, if you're not looking, you might drive into it. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Got jokes all day, people. I know, dad jokes. I'm the worst. So, um, yeah, the cost of housing makes a huge difference on the location, but it's also like distance to schooling, like we said, for yeah. our kids. Distance to shopping. Distance to you know, they. When you're looking for a, a place to live now, they have this like walkability score yeah. that they will, depending on how proximate or mm -hmm. close you are to the various different services that you'll need, they give it a score. Yeah. And Those walkability things tend to include things like schooling for children. Yeah, and then they include like a pet school as a school. <laughs> you know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Cause yeah, it depends. You never know what family has their different dynamics. So maybe they have pets and no uh, human kids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then things like the shopping for groceries and gas and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk a little bit about rent versus owning. So we talk, you talked a little bit about how we... Are renting right now we used to own 
Yeah. We've actually owned a couple of different houses. Couple? Am I uh, counting wrong? No, just the one. I think we own just the one. Yeah. We've moved so many times. It blows my mind. Yeah. Um, when you own a house, there's a lot more to it than just your mortgage payments, mm -hmm. right? You're responsible for everything. Yes. So there's maintenance of the house. There's a cost to the maintenance of the house, right? It's not just that it has to be done, but you need to have the skill to perform the maintenance, basic household maintenance skill. Yeah. Unless you're going to pay for everything to be outsourced, and that's, that's crazy expensive. We have friends that purchased a fixer-upper, and I've been watching online, watching them, that they have put this decent addition onto the house as well. And that the husband, and I'm pretty sure the wife too, that they're putting in all these skills to put in footings and stuff like that, the concrete and everything. And it's fascinating to watch. Do they already have those skills? I believe so. I'm not sure how they do. I don't know enough about that. But Sometimes I, you can, I mean, with YouTube, you can learn almost everything yeah, these days. You want to have a professional around for the things that you really don't know what to do, especially for like electricity and the foundation of your house. Well, I mean, so some things... This is a different conversation, but still. Yeah, some things you must be licensed legally to do. So yes. electrical is one of those because life or death. Yep, and it won't get, be passed for inspection. Yeah, but the point is if you do it yourself, you can save a lot of money. Yep. Um, you need to have some basic skills. You need to know what to look for. Um, and you're responsible for everything that goes on in the house, including external things like taxes, like property taxes. Mm -hmm. um, when you buy a house, there's like land transfer taxes. Mm -hmm. There is... Lawyer um, fees, closing costs. Lawyer fees. There's furnishing the house. Yeah. That's a huge thing. There's utility hookups and you're responsible for maintaining all of that stuff. Moving costs. And if you, yep. so if you upsize, you fill the, you need, have the need then to fill that space. But if you downsize, then you need to get rid of things and yep. you can just give it away. You can sell it, have some extra money to Fair put enough. towards your moving costs. Now moving costs, are, are that's a rent issue as well. Yep. If you're moving, you're moving, whether yes. it's to owning or renting. But the difference between those things is if you're renting, then the landlord is responsible for a lot of those things. Mm -hmm. For at least a good portion of the maintenance the landlord will be responsible for, depending on your arrangement. Yes. Um, certainly you'll be responsible for the, the general maintenance of the house. It's part of your arrangement, like probably like maintaining the property, like the mowing the lawn and shoveling the snow and things like that if you live in a icy tundra like we do. Yeah. Um, certainly reporting problems when they happen and um, you know, little things like that. But if it's something bigger, like there's an uh, issue with the appliances, mm -hmm. if you're renting, often that will be covered or at least partially covered by the landlord. Mm -hmm. If there's repairs that need to be done structurally to the house, that's the landlord that's gonna cover that. So there are some advantages in that way to renting. It's a little bit less worrisome, mm -hmm. but at the same time, you, restricted because you can't make the changes that you want to. You're like, oh, I hate this wall. You can't take the wall down. <laughs> it's not your house. I remember one location, our last location, that we said uh, the laundry room was like small and you needed storage space. And so I remember talking to the landlord, sent them off some information about a storage unit I wanted to put up on the wall and just gave them all the details and they agreed to it. Yep. That it improved the house. If you're gonna improve the house and they, 
agree to that, then often they'll just either come in and do it for you or they'll allow you to do it. Yeah. Um, and then they'll just pay for the materials. Yep. And so now you have this additional thing that you built. They've covered the materials and now the house is worth more for the landlord as well. And you're living in it, enjoying yep. the, the improvement. So that's all positive stuff. If you can make it more cost effective, then they're probably more agreeable to go along with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, owning a house, of course, is basically a forced savings plan. Mm -hmm. So when you're renting, every month the money goes to the landlord and then it's gone. <laughs> That's it. That's the end of that conversation. Yep. But when, in a mortgage, you're paying down a loan to the bank and you're basically buying the house over the course of 15, 20, 30 years. There's a little bit addition, uh, a little bit difference as well with condos, where we were talking about maintenance before, hmm. that uh, condo fees tend to come with condos, which then covers the maintenance that you don't have to shovel the sidewalk and stuff usually, or do the lawn and the garden. Yep. So, yep. depending on the arrangements again with that condo. Exactly. You're not going to get that with a house, but yeah, with a condo, there's even less responsibility. So that's why they're so popular with professional, young professionals. Or seniors, I find these days. Or seniors. People that don't want to have to worry about those things. Like yeah. that's just another just another thing that they have to do. Like why would why would anybody want to do that? I'm thinking now. <laughs> why would I want to do that? Anyway, there is advantages to owning though, which is because it's a forced savings plan. Mm -hmm. um, you have this kind of money built up in the home, in the value of the home. Yeah. But it's a bit of a trick because, okay, great. You have value built up in the home, but, but you can't, still living in it. You can't spend that money. Yeah. You still have to live in the house. Yeah. And what are you going to do? Sell the house and where then what? Then you're back to renting. <laughs> so in hindsight, I guess it works well then as a young couple to purchase or a young person to purchase a decent sized home that when you get married, have kids or anything, that that house can accommodate that. And then when you get older, then hopefully that has gained a lot of value yep. and you can sell it and downsize to a much smaller house that you can now accommodate for your cleaning abilities that you don't want to be cleaning a yeah. five bedroom home anymore. Or climbing stairs. Maybe you want a bungalow, bungalow at that point. Exactly. But that was a, a good point that I was going to bring up in home ownership. Although you can't just sell the house, actually you can just sell the house. Yeah and then buy a smaller house. And now you've pocketed the difference. And because property and houses tend to appreciate over time, meaning their value gets greater over time, they're actually one of the best investments mm -hmm. that can be out there. Um, the same as if you invested your money into like a, a savings account or an investment or like a mutual fund or something like that, those things you're hoping are gonna grow over time. Um, like certainly a savings account will grow at a certain percent. Well, housing is the same idea. You're investing money into this ownership of the house, the mortgage. And over time, the value of the house grows. So you bought it at $500,000 and now 10 years later, it's worth $750,000. And you didn't do anything except live in the thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you actually made it worse by living in it. But that's just the nature of housing. And so for that reason, 
it's actually a really, really good investment. Probably one of the best investments, uh, which is why homeownership is such a good target for most people, especially at young age. Now the cost of like the inflation that comes with uh, year after year, hmm. that tends to go up slower than say the interest earned in, in your house, the value in the house, right? So typically, yes. Typically a house will appreciate more than the cost of living, like inflation, mm -hmm. the rate of inflation typically, but that's not always the case. Yeah. Sometimes the cost of a house can drop. Yeah. Like if you actually damage the property or sometimes there's just weird fluctuations, you know, the market, the market is unpredictable. Nobody can time it. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's something to consider then that yep. when you're waiting to sell your house at the most optimal time to get the most out of it, well, yeah. at the same time, you're going to need somewhere else to live. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Now, if you're trying to figure out, can I afford a house? Because it is a good goal to have budget. Well, definitely you need to budget, but how much, yes. like, how can I tell if I can afford a house? Because you know, probably you're living somewhere. Yep. Uh, or maybe you're, a, maybe you're a young adult and you're, you're getting out of the mooch phase and you're trying to figure out, can you do this? Well, aside from the down payment, there's the monthly payments like rent and, or mortgage. Mm -hmm. And so knowing how much you're going to have to give to that. So if you're currently renting and trying to figure out if you'd be able to afford ownership of a house, because moving from renting to ownership is a goal for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And it's a good goal. <clears throat> Pardon me. It's a great goal because of that appreciation of the property. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to have your money going into an investment than just giving it away every month, which yeah. is what's happening with rent. So let's take a scenario. So let's say that your, um, the mortgage for a new property, you've done your research and it would be 2,500 a month. Yeah. That may sound ridiculously low or ridiculously high, depending on where you live. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to use around numbers for now. Let's say it's going to cost you 2,500 a month for a mortgage. Now, right now you're renting, maybe you're paying $1,800 a month in rent. So difference of 700. Yeah. If you're currently using that difference, the $700 difference, and you're putting it into a savings account, then you can afford the house because that's what's happening is you're paying for the house and the house is a savings account. Well, that's a good it's way a to test vehicle. it actually then yeah. is take that 700 and start saving it. Try. Can you still <laughs> accomplish what you need to in your life? Are you, maybe you have to reduce some of your wants. If you can do that. Yeah, exactly. If you can live without it. Then you can handle purchasing the house. Yeah. So if you, if that scenario doesn't work, if you're currently renting, if you take the amount you're renting and you're not saving the difference of what it would cost for a mortgage, mm -hmm. then you probably can't afford ownership of a house. Yeah. And so in order to still do that migration, you probably have to save more upfront for a larger down payment, which will make your monthly payments less until it balances. Right. Or you could do what you just said and try to figure out your expenses more but i mean changing your whole lifestyle just to own a house is probably not a way that will work it's difficult it's doable 
And like our friends we've mentioned before, if you can live the first 10 years of your life like nobody else will, you can live the next 10 years of your life like nobody else can. Fair so enough. if you're willing to make the sacrifice, yeah. then you can enjoy having your house sooner. Um, you just have to evaluate what your priorities are and be okay with saying no to things Yeah. that you can do without until later. Yep, but you don't want to starve yourself for 20 years is what oh, I'm no. saying. If you Once you commit to a mortgage payment, then you're kind of stuck. In. And so how much can you afford? Let's say that you've done your math and it's that $2,500 that mm -hmm. we talked about, $2,500 every month. But what does that mean? That means it's $2,500 at a certain interest rate. Mm -hmm. That is the interest rate at whenever you did your math. That interest rate goes up and down. You hear it in the news all the time. The prime rate uh, has gone up or down, or the mortgage lending rate has gone up or down. You know, the Bank of Canada or the Bank of America has increased their whatever. This can make a huge difference, huge, huge difference in the amount you pay. In fact, very famous example in the 1980s, I believe it was, um, people, so mortgage rates were at an all-time low in the very early 80s, and I apologize if I'm getting the timing wrong on this. So a lot of people migrated from rent to own because the interest rate was so low. And they went in to either a short-term mortgage, like five years, or a variable rate mortgage, which means that the rate of interest you pay varies with the market. The, the market goes, yep. And there's a lot of, we're not going to get into it today, but a lot of people say variable rate is a great way to go because over the span of 50 years, it tends to win out. Yeah. But there's bubbles in there of exceeding danger. So <laughs> and you in, have to give yourself enough cushion you can handle your, like, be able to walk through that. Well, that's the problem. In the 80s, people got in at this low rate, the interest rate went up into the high teens, hmm. like 18% interest rate for housing yeah and Shocking. people found their mortgage payments like doubled for almost everybody that's an impossible task yeah. you can't just double your housing payment that's already the biggest payment in your entire life your budget yeah there isn't money to just double that some people had to walk away so many people had to walk away like it was ridiculous people had to just leave their house foreclosures from banks were happening all over the place like it was a hard time i'm glad that i was not an adult <laughs> during that time luckily i don't think my parents were not affected by that were your parents affected no, by that my parents weren't affected by that yeah. either thankfully but it was a hard time yeah. and you just have to be be aware if you're getting into housing at a low interest time mm -hmm. i mean congrats to you that's awesome but if you pick a, a mortgage that matures after five years, what if the interest rate doubles or triples at the end of that? Are you going to be able to still make that mortgage payment comfortably at that time? Or is that going to be the end for you? Um, because that's a, that's a reality, especially with the like even these days we see the market is just it's fairly volatile. Yeah. You know, we've had super super low mortgage rates recently mostly because of we're just coming out of a pandemic 
the governments of the world had lowered interest rates to low, low amounts to encourage spending. This is an economic move. But now that we're coming out of that, things are returning to like a more normalized rate. And they kind of, there's a lot of economics behind it. And I'll be honest, I don't understand all of it. You need to be an economics guru to figure all this stuff out. But economics say that interest rates are going to go up when you're coming out of a, something like a pandemic. And mm -hmm. it's just going to stabilize at a higher number. And that means people who are paying mortgages, they're going to be paying a lot more every month. Yeah. So be careful about that. There's different types of mortgages that uh, you can consider. Like the like you were talking about is how long, the five year, 10 year, 15, 20, and sometimes they have even longer, which, yeah, is your children gonna end up paying your mortgage for you? Well, it depends where you live. I think um, 30 or 35 year mortgages are common in uh, the UK. Really? Yeah. Cool. Um, and they're like intergenerational mortgages. Okay. It's crazy but they have a house to live in. Well, that's the thing. It's like, there's only so much land <laughs> and we can't make more land to build homes. So yeah, it's a tricky thing. Or you can uh, help accommodate your future generations with passing down a house yep. that they don't have to spend as much. Canada, we got lots of land here, but uh, it's kind of cold. And... Yeah, I mean, there's lots of space yeah. in between the populated areas. Uh, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> tricky. Still if you're not sure how much you can afford, there, there's first of all, lots of ways to online to just calculate this and try to figure it out. They'll, they'll ask you how much you currently earn. They'll help you figure out your debt to income ratio and so forth. And they'll tell you approximately how much you can earn. But if you want a real number, you can get pre-qualified mm -hmm. with a lending institution, contact a mortgage broker and they'll tell you how much you can afford. But our personal recommendation is whatever number they tell you, go below that. Yeah. Because that's the maximum. So if you pre-qualify for like $800,000, don't look for houses immediately that are $800,000 um, for a mortgage because that's like the upper max of your ability to pay it. And if any fluctuation happens, anything in your life happens, you're going to be at a huge financial strain to make it happen. And in this area recently, uh, for the last year or so, we found that maybe it's listed at 800,000, but it will sell for 850 to 875,000. Yes, yeah. things selling over asking price. 900,000. Super yeah. common. It was crazy. And in a few days. Yeah. Ridiculous. Within a week, household. Yeah. yeah. I think we're mostly through that, which. Yeah, I think that's. Thank goodness. And I think they're considering putting some kind of regulation in to stop that kind of insane, like yeah. a bubble. It's like, it's called a bubble yeah. where things are normally this big, but when you blow up a bubble, it just gets big really fast. That's what housing happens with housing prices. It just got so big really quickly. It's unbelievable. And eventually the bubble will burst mm -hmm. and then things will either come down to a normalized amount but usually they don't go down to normal it's like gas prices they go big and they go down to something close to what was normal and you're like oh phew, phew. that's not bad and then it slowly creeps up over time yeah i think that's housing cars similar concerns with cars when you consider rent versus own so it's the same idea except with a car it doesn't appreciate as mm -hmm. soon as you buy it 
it's worth less than it was five minutes ago. Um, they depreciate and they, they depreciate quickly. As soon as you drive it off the lot. Yeah. But you can look up depreciation um, charts to see how quickly cars typically depreciate. Not that you're going to do that because you're not typically buying a car to try and resell it. Yeah. You'd be a fool to do this unless it's like an old classic that you're going to restore. The value of the car is not the only thing to consider. You need to consider maintenance costs. Because mm -hmm. if they, maybe there are certain brands that tend to usually be lemons or break down quickly and easily or die in the rain. I've heard of those cars. Yep. I used to own one, remember? I'd visit you when we were dating and I'd have to get a, blow, a hair blower to dry out the head gasket. I don't remember that. No? Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. You'd, you'd pull out an extension cord <laughs> at the dry out the head <laughs> gasket if it rained. That was yeah. an awesome little car. It was great on gas. It was just tiny little thing. Yeah. The tuna can. Yep. It that was, was great. Creepy, and it was manual. Love manual. Yeah. Standard transmission. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, same idea between buying and renting. In cars, renting is called leasing, mm -hmm. but it's the same idea. Yeah. You're basically entering into an agreement for a fixed period of time to pay. And at the end of the lease, you're not going to own the car. Yep. You're just going to have to start another lease. Or purchase a vehicle at that point. Yeah. Some leases will have a buyout like clause in the agreement. So yeah. you can, if you really like the car and if you've been able to save, you can then buy that car at a reduced rate because you've kind of been paying into it a little bit. Yeah. Lease to own. Yeah, it's the same idea. Lease to own and buy out at the end are different. Yeah. They're just marketing terms. They mean the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so why would you want to lease? Maybe you just don't have the money up front to purchase a vehicle outright. And you don't want a huge loan to be sitting on your pocket. Exactly. The same reason you you mortgage a house. Yep. Don't have a million dollars sitting around, but you still want to live somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Um, you may want to be able to travel to a better job. Mm -hmm. So in that case, buying a car makes a lot of sense. And again, if you don't have the money up front, leasing makes a lot of sense. If you're one of the people that really, really, really likes having a new car with a lease, you're almost always going to have a fairly new car. Mm -hmm. um, when you do a lease, usually you're getting a brand new car mm -hmm. and you lease it for maybe three years. And then at the end of that, that car's not yours anymore. You start a new lease and then you get another new car for another so three years or whatever. That's the nice benefit then is you do get a new vehicle that you're driving, that new car smell, and nobody else has uh, driven it into the ground yet. Yeah, and you get all the new safety features and the new gadgets and yep. I'm sure there's a lot of pride and self-esteem issues that go with having a new car as well. And then you don't have to deal with the major issues that usually come up with uh, older vehicles. True. And a lot of the like repairs, you're probably so similar to a house. If you're renting a house, you're responsible for doing some little maintenance. Mm -hmm. So if you have a car on a lease, you still have to do oil changes and regular maintenance. That's your responsibility usually. But if something big happens to the vehicle, then it's not your problem. That's you bring it in and they'll just either fix it or they'll replace the car for you. Unless you've done something to damage it yourself. Then well, You may course. be on the hook for it then. Same as renting. Likely. If you take a hammer to all your walls and just damage everything. You're on the hook. Then that's, that's on you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you're going to get 
definitely those advantages. Um, a lease also doesn't cost very much. Um, obviously, it's much less than a house, just because a car, by comparison, is it's you can't smaller. even you can't even compare. What is a car these days? Thirty-five thousand dollars for a, a fairly a nice. Car. That's a really nice car. Yeah. Maybe not really nice, but quite nice. And so you're going to have these um, lower payments compared to if you had to save and, and fully purchase the car. Mm -hmm. um, so that's nice. If you wanted to get a, like a loan from a bank to purchase the car, probably your loan from a bank would have higher monthly payments than a lease mm -hmm. because, again, you're if you have a lease or a, a loan with a bank. That's for the full amount of the car and you're actually paying off ownership of the car. So you're getting ownership in return for those payments. Whereas with a lease, just renting it, the money disappears every month. Yep. But you get all those advantages that we talked about. So if you're in a lease and you like lose your job, can't pay it for whatever reason, huge penalties to try and get out of a lease. So make sure you're stable if you are thinking of getting into that. Yeah. Um, other points that I had written down here is sometimes if you're in a lease, there's a maximum number of uh, like miles, kilometers that you can drive in a year. Mm -hmm. So you can't you can't drive <laughs> from Washington to Florida in your leased car. Um, that will use up all your miles. Um, anything that's beyond the normal repairs, um, you might have to pay for again. Read your read your lease agreement. And you may have to get extra insurance to cover theft of the car. Theft inclusion, yep. Um, when you own a car, it's usually covered under your house insurance or property insurance because mm -hmm. it's considered kind of part of your property. But um, yeah, so various things to consider. I'm not recommending that a lease happen. I just wanted to bring up some of the considerations between renting and owning or leasing and owning. In general, I recommend owning a vehicle because it depreciates unless it's really important to you to have those new things or if you can expense it like as a business expense then there's there's considerations to think about but in general as a financial advice not that I'm giving legal professional uh, legal financial advice here but our experience has been owning is better and plan for it walk up and pay cash where you can yes we knew that, we've talked about this before, where we knew that changes in life, uh, our circumstances would change, that we would need a different vehicle because children have grown or we had more children. Yeah. So plan for it. Exactly. That you can, with your budget, that you can look ahead and say, when can I afford what I'm going to need and how much can I afford at that time? Exactly. There was something else to consider though, even with a house or a car, because you might be saying, all right, my circumstances are going to change where we had a minivan at one point and we had a fifth child coming. We we're like, all right, all of a sudden now we need to get a fifth car, like a third car seat here, whatever in here. How can we get three or four car seats kind of next to each other and still get the other child in? And we were ready to look for a wider vehicle. Like, do they make a wider interior minivan? It looks like it. They do. And we thought, okay, this is gonna cost this much money, like thousands of dollars. And then the next day we're planning, we're right, we're going to go out and look at vehicles. And that night, the night before, we're like, wait, could we actually get smaller car seats? You're being humble. It was all your idea. Whatever. 
We considered it and then we investigated it. And we found that yeah, it's possible. Yeah. yeah. So we ended up paying, we're replacing car seats for less Cheap than that, less than $500. As opposed to Thousands. a $35,000 car change. Exactly. So think outside of the box if you can to solve your problems. You don't always have to just, yep. you know, this was a very specific case, but you don't have to replace the car to just fit an extra car seat in. Or even if it's housing, like, oh, I have another child coming or something, or need to move things around, need to make a home office and put a couple of kids in together. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be in together. Well, maybe you can arrange it where the room is kind of split still with a, a screen in between. Or... I know. Let's put our office in the baby's room. That would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I'll get so much. My meetings with a crying baby would be awesome. Mm -hmm. Or waking up the baby that's supposed to be sleeping. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, it has to be within reason. But yes. considerations for... Um... There's alternatives. For today is uh, rent versus own for a house or uh, lease versus buy for a car. Yes. And happy budgeting. I can pay cash, I can pay check, I can pay wire transfer, I can pay gift card, I can pay credit, I can pay anything you like. I can pay cash, I can pay check, I can pay wire transfer, I can pay gift card, I can pay credit, I can pay anything you like.